Hi, I'm Janice Wheeler. I'm the president of the Art of Management. And today we're going to do an interview on a really entertaining gentleman named Mark Gaylord. And uh, he's been related to the uh, dentistry industry for a very long time and has a lot of experience. And uh, he works for a company that is American based, but has a Canadian division. And he is the marketing for business development for that company. And Mark, maybe you'd like to start off by telling us just a brief summary of what does that company do? And then we're going to talk about leadership. Certainly. So I uh, just, just a slight correction. It's actually a Canadian based company with an American arm. Uh, oh, EDMS, e yeah, EDMS Dentals based out of Ottawa. Uh, Enterprise Dental Management Systems is uh, just high level is an analytics company that, that does dental analytics and metrics measurements and creates consolidated reporting that's bank accurate. We also have a support division with that, a coaching division. And within EDMS, there's also a brokerage, which is buy, sell, build, and scale. So there are multiple uh, engines running simultaneously. And as a director of business development, it's my job to make sure that each one of them is uh, matching and mirroring the needs of our client. Wow, that was a very succinct and concise <laughs> description. <laughs> I, may, I may have said it before. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a few times, eh? Yeah. All right. Well, um, because you've been working in the dental industry and closely with dentists for a very long time, I thought it'd be fun to in interview you as kind of an opinion leader about the what's going on with COVID and what people are running into and sort of what you are seeing. And, and we were going to narrow it slightly to leadership yeah. and discuss that back and forth today, what our companies found, what your what you have been finding, doing what you're doing and so on. Um, leadership has many different connotations too. Um, I think uh, starting off, a lot of healthcare professionals, uh, because we work with a lot of different healthcare professionals um, besides dentists as well, and um, they have a lot of different connotations for it. Like they don't even realize that they are a leader a lot yeah. of the time. They want to just be part of the team and they they get an office manager who tells them what to do <laughs> and I, I keep saying to them you know like it's your reputation your bottom line your take-home pay and um your goals for the practice so that makes you the leader and exactly. they have to follow you and the reason you have staff is because you can't do it all by yourself so you have to delegate things to them yeah, nine times out of 10, 30 years later, they're still going to be the only one that was there at the beginning and there at the end. So as you alluded to that, that is the leader. And I think every organization, whether it's dental or, or in the corporate world, the business and the strength and the health of that business is only as strong as that leadership is that saying goes, the leader's the win. So as far as that person's willing to push their own level of comfort will determine the success or the, the failure of a business. Right. That was a very good description. The leader, the lid, <laughs> holding it all together. It's and, and again, it's, you've got to have that glass ceiling to see beyond what you think is possible. And yeah. uh, I always say everything begins, all success begins outside of the comfort zone. And sometimes, especially in our industry, pushing a dentist beyond that is, is a real challenge. But once they get there, they wonder why they didn't do it sooner. Exactly. It makes sense once they see it, but they're so in the trees from going to school and becoming the profession that they are and not looking at things from the leader viewpoint of school because most of the schools, the worst, the, the norm is that they have an accountant come in for a day and a 
uh, a lawyer come in for a day just to sort mm -hmm. of give them, you know, the high level things that they should know and then throws them to the wind. And yeah. uh, it's kind of crazy. I actually interviewed a guy, he's with Peninsula Canada, which uh, does insurance um, for legal matters. And they do a lot of advice. They help prepare contracts. They help you when you get a staff member who's trying to get you for um, you know, constructive dismissal or whatever, whatever and they're, you pay monthly to be protected by them and take care, they take care of you on all the legal side because you know they're a leader, but they don't necessarily know what the laws are and what they're allowed to do and say and how yeah. to interview and what contracts should they be on. Well, I think you know when they're, when they're in fourth year and they're working on their little wax models, nobody prepared them for any of this. Like you said, you get your day of accounting and, and your day of legal, there's very little business uh, side of it infused and then all of a sudden you're responsible for you know five people 10 people 15 people's lives and livelihoods and cars and families and and with no real preparation and you've got to draw from your inner core I always say that pull out your inner leader leadership's a quality you can hire managers but leadership is something that lives inside you that's an interesting way of putting it too I agree with it very much you know, I was thinking as you were saying this, there is um, a, in Toronto in the uh, dental school, there is someone who goes in and does some talks, but my clients who sat through those said, but I wasn't absorbing because it wasn't important and I didn't know what I would run into for real in the real world when I get out there. Yeah. So the Toronto University for Dental Dentists has attempted to do something. It just doesn't mm -hmm. seem uh, to be generally applicable when they get out in the real world and they've now forgotten it, they've associated for a while. Yes. Well, and leadership doesn't show up in a binder, right? You can't put real world situations into a textbook. You, you, can, you can give fundamentals, but until you're actually experiencing it in real time and then bring somebody in at that stage, that can help you hone those skills and deal with things as they occur and then yeah. learn how to mitigate them going forward. Uh, I, think it's just, I think the education side is very important, but in, in real world, we've got to step up and step out and, and start to do it on our own. Yeah, it's true. It's like, I think when they associate, I don't know if you've noticed this, but when they're an associate and then they start their own practice, they always say to me, I know, I know what not to do. I know what I didn't like at the places I worked at. And I go, yeah, but do you know what you should be doing instead of doing it those ways? And they go, no, not really. No. Yeah, they, and they just I think part of, part of knowing what you don't want though is is a very is a step forward. That's yeah, a because, step forward. Yeah, because you, you I always say I ask people what is it you what is it you want like what is it you're looking for and they you know they give me this the same answer I want to be successful I want to be happy like well that's not deep enough but if I, if I ask them what they don't want they can give me a laundry list it just spills out very easily and mm -hmm. so once they've done that I, I just look at them and I pick them up off the page and I go. Every one of these items, if you just turn it around and give me the exact opposite of that, that's a definition of the things that you do want in your life and what you do want to show up. Mm -hmm. You know, if they say, oh, I, I don't want to be unhealthy, I don't want to be poor, I don't want to have, you know, issues with my kids, well, just pick each one of them up and turn them around. I want to have great health and, and success in my life. I want to make sure that my business is healthy and strong. I want to cultivate wonderful, strong children and, and, and make them better than I am. So sometimes... When you flip it around that way, it's just the psychology of it, but it gets to an answer very quickly. Well, that's a really good way of doing it. I like that very much. I hope some people watching this go, oh, 
I could do that. Yeah, do your <laughs> I don't want list. All the things you don't want and make yeah. it into what you do want yeah. and put it in the positive. Now, sometimes you now need some help to actually achieve those. Like I want a very profitable practice that has awesome patients that I love treating with staff that are all passionate like I am about giving everybody the most ideal care that we can give them no matter what profession we're talking about. And, um, you know, that there is, there is that, you know, it's like, okay, you can say, I want that, but okay, now let's get down to brass tacks. How exactly are we going to achieve that? Yeah. yeah. And again, it's, it's, prof it's professionals like yourself and, and that's where people have to transfer some trust and be open to knowledge and be able to say, I don't know what I don't know and speak to someone like myself or yourself that, you know, we don't know everything, but as coaches, we kind of look at the game from up here and we mm -hmm. can help maneuver the pieces, uh, give direction and sort of open and broaden the minds and the thinking of these people so that they can move towards that success. And they've got strategies and they've got sort of a, a map on how to get there. Right. You know, it's interesting because I have talked to you a little bit about what your company does and what your background is. And we have, um, we have um, courses that we do give our clients. We have one on executive basics on how to be an awesome executive and how to give positive orders rather than weak orders and how to delegate exactly. And how do you get the staff all on the same page? And how do you train staff from scratch? There's actually two steps to the training phase. And then once they're trained, how do you correct them properly? Um, these are essential, essential skills that um, it's, the courses are neat because they're tutored and they're from um, illustrated as well as words. So, right. and then we practice with them. And at the same time, they have a consultant who is helping them implement it step-by-step step into the practice and help them deal with the issues and make sure that they know how to use that. So having the consultant is one part of it, but having the actual knowledge and understanding in their own head so they know how to do it themselves without having us be their consultant forever and ever and ever. I mean, we do have some clients that stick with us. I think we've got 1,800 clients now who've done our wow. one-year program, but uh, some of them stick with us for 14 years or 18 years and some of them do the one-year program and they're done and they're happy. We just had one of those. They're just doing so great after one year of working with us mm -hmm. and being trained up. But, you know, it's, um, it's something that they struggle with these issues every day, not knowing, well, what is the right way to deal with this? And you've got statistical management um, in terms of tracking the stats. We take it one step farther. Like if they have their billings go steeply down for the week, yes. that's called danger condition. And there's six steps that you do to isolate what caused it, who let it happen, what to do about it, how to prevent it from ever happening again. And if you do it correctly, it'll go up next week. Go back up, exactly. Yeah. And um, so, you know, it is important to have the stats. That's why I really love talking with you the other day, because we're on the same page on that. Hey, yes, got to know what the numbers are. You have to you have to know your numbers. And I think analytics are extremely important. And they do sit, like I said, at the back of that practice management software, but who's actually paying attention to them and then creating benchmarks and making sure that the practice remains to grow in a healthy direction, because I think when people see their schedule and they think they're busy, they think they're successful, but they don't mm -hmm. realize if there's attrition, they don't realize that they've got a, a mounting uh, accounts receivable 
And I think through the analytics and, and very similar to you, we, we have people that run support and coaching on that and, and make the clinics aware of any of the red flag issues that go unnoticed on a regular basis and then coach them into a healthier spot. Yes, vital, very vital. Um, so what other things have you noticed about leadership in practices? I think, um, go ahead. I was gonna say maybe aim in the direction of delegation. Like what could we teach them about delegation in a short interview here? Yeah, one of the, I think one of the toughest things, I, I, I don't know why it seems very dental centric, but sometimes transferring trust is a very difficult thing for a dentist to do. And it might be because this is their baby, their heart, their soul, their life, their finances are all put into, you know, one nutshell. And often, you know, that, that overuse tumor micromanage, and they don't allow people with core competencies to do what they're good at and to transfer mm -hmm. that trust and allow a, a practice to grow. And I think if you, if you want to become all things to all people, that might be successful in the beginning when you're starting out. But as yeah. you grow and expand and as you're growing your people to, to make sure that you've got strong people, they've got to be empowered and they've got to feel that, you've, that you trust their ability. And again, that, there's, that comes through the metric of teaching and that comes through the and, and empowerment and leadership. But transferring trust is probably one of the most difficult things for a practitioner to do. And that's one of the things I've noticed over the years. Right. Or they'll say they do it, but then they, go, then they hop back into that micromanaged space and they're hovering over everyone. Exactly. And if we find a doctor that's too busy, like trying to do everything. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of my clients was doing this and she knows better. She's been with us a very long time and she knows better, but she has a bunch of staff that are changed over due to something that was happening in her area. And uh, so she started doing um, too much herself because that trust factor wasn't transferred over to the new people yet. And um, my husband told her she's not lazy enough. And I overheard this conversation. I'm going, what are you talking about? And she said the same thing at her end. And uh, he explained to her, you're trying to take on too much. If you want to feel like get lazy, pass it over and let them do it, like train them. We have a training method that, that is supposed to be done, which is you do the things and the other person watches you and they you do that maybe for a week, including having an associate. Don't have them treating right away, have them be, shadow you for a week and see how you do everything, where you yeah. put everything, what you do when you, something needs ordering or whatever. And then you shadow them, you do no work for a week and you shadow them and then correct them right. afterwards, not in front of anyone until you know that they are doing it to your standards. Yeah. At which no, point- sounds, sounds like brilliant onboarding system. I love it, I love it. Mm -hmm. And it makes a big difference on that, getting that trust factor passed over. And it's true for all the professions, by the way, because we work with chiropractors, opto optometrists, veterinarians, denturists, uh, um, podiatrists, and so on. And they, it's the same. Everybody runs into the same thing because they're the trained individual who got the in-depth, you know, four years of training, three or four years of training. So for them to let somebody who hasn't had that training do anything, it feels wrong, but there's the administrative side that they can pass over, right? Absolutely. And, and I think it, it strengthens the, the culture of, of an office or a business when you, you feel that who's ever at the top of the, of the food chain, if you will, has belief and conviction about the people that work underneath them. 
you know, I think it creates a, a much stronger culture than if you've got somebody who's who's nitpicking and micromanaging and on top of every single move that people make. It's it's a bottleneck. And like I said earlier, the leader's the lid. So you can you can open that lid and and grow and grow your team and grow your culture, or you can stay very congested. And we know what that feels like long term. Exactly. You're so right. You know, what was I, I had a thought while you were saying that you, you inspire thoughts, but um, <laughs> it went out of my head at the same time. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, so hiring the right staff in the first place, I think something you said, like, you may have hired the wrong person. And that's where that lack of trust is coming in. You have done the two steps of training, mm -hmm. and so on, and they're not getting it. And you go, Oh, my like how fast should you know that what would you say you would give somebody time to figure that out it's interesting because what how's the saying go is it quick quick to hire or take long time take your time to hire and quick to fire and i think again if you're building a culture you need to make sure that when somebody enters into that space that they go through that onboarding that integration and you've got to get a real understanding for who that person is coming in um, anytime I've been in that interview phase, people will, will pass me their legal size envelope with their CV in it, and I pass it right back to them and I go, tell me the coolest thing about you right now. And it throws them off guard because they think that all the, the necessary information is on that piece of paper. I want to be a dentist. I just like to help people, blah, 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 blah. I'm a registered this and that. I'm a DDS. No, tell me about you. Let me know about you. And what do you know about me? Because right now, when people are hiring, you know, we've got all these these apps and people are just cut and paste their resume and then push send. You know <laughs> nothing about where the environment they're even getting into. So the online can, template. Yes, I very quickly weed people out if a they don't know anything about the the environment they're coming into, and they can't tell me about them. And then I said everything in this envelope is exactly the same as the stack behind me. I trust that you're registered or you're DDS or you've got the education. I'm looking for the right person that's going to be the right fit for my organization. This allows you to do that. You as a person will determine whether or not you're the right fit to be with us. Right. I mean, you do want to look at the CV to some degree because you want to see the gaps and ask where were they during that time and find out. Oh, if, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And yes. watch the shifty eyes if they are hiding <laughs> something. But yeah. um, that's just a little aside. Um, you also, you know, want to see their work history. However, having said all that, I agree with you 100%. What we usually do is we do the interview first and we have a bunch of questions that you are allowed to ask in an interview. We also know what we give our clients the list they're not allowed to ask about. We have a hiring manual for them. And um, the, uh, the, the list of questions, and so you do your interview. And then at the end you say, so what do you think of me as an interviewer? Oh, interesting. Yeah. And watch what they do because this puts them on the spot a little bit. Yeah. And, um, you know, somebody who's very upbeat and, and pretty swift will actually say something. They probably won't say something critical. And if they do, I don't know that I would hire them. Right. I would hope they would have the good sense to say something <laughs> positive. Like you asked a lot of really good questions and I feel like a, it was very thoroughly done not um you didn't talk to me you didn't ask me the right questions or you know something negative that somebody could right. say so that would be a good question that you could ask 
and uh, and then watch where their eyes go and their muscle tone does. And if they kind of, you know, they're, they're very upbeat in the interview, right? <laughs> they really want the job. And then you see them suddenly go, oh, because now they're introverted and they're trying to think of an answer. Right. This is how they're going to be on the job every day when you give them things to do. Agreed. So it's a good little measurement tool as well. Um, we also have a hiring um, a personality questionnaire with 200 questions on it that is deadly accurate. It's the number one testing system in the world by um, in stats that have been collected on it. 97% accurate. Wow. So, but I want to go back to this 90 day things. Would you give somebody a whole 90 days to get their act together? Or would you uh, go one week and I'm going to get this person out of here? Well, it, it all depends. If there's that burning red flag, you know that 90 days is just going to create more disruption than good. But I'm also a big believer, and I would rather cultivate somebody, find out what their strengths are. I'm not a big believer in work on your weaknesses. I'm a believer on let's push you towards what you shine at and, and work on your strengths because it's a lot easier to mold and cultivate somebody in your organization than it is to go out, hire, bring somebody back in and try and, and, and build new culture. So in that in that 90 day period with somebody who might be struggling a little bit, I would definitely give them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I love what you do with the, the onboarding because we, that's so rare in our business. You, you get your resume, you get your interview, you get hired, you start tomorrow morning at nine o'clock and go and, and go. And, 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 and how come you're not successful? What's the matter with you? And, and all that success and, or failure is on our hands. Again, stepping back to what we're talking about originally, Where's our level of leadership? What are we willing to commit to this new person to make sure and ensure that they're successful? Exactly, exactly. Which is why we do that training method. You're giving up a week of your personal production, but you know what? He's doing what you would have doing or she's doing the trainee. If you're being training a dentist or a chiropractor or something and and the second step is they do the work while you watch. It's still one person doing it. It's only two weeks, but it does what you said. It ensures that they know your system and your culture and the way you want things done. And you're confident now in their ability to treat the patient. And now you can take your mind off of that part and get on with going back to treating and building up the practice so that they're super busy. And you have to allow for that because that so rapidly grows a practice by doing that. And the staff have to, oh, I should say something about that too. The staff at the front desk, they're the ones booking the new patients, right? Yes. And if they have confidence in the new associate, then they're going to book patients for them. If they don't, they're gonna try and squeeze everybody in to the owner of the practice who's trying to download some of the patients. That's why they're hiring an associate because mm -hmm. they are losing their leadership time and they're losing their, their they just don't have enough and they're booked too far out. So, um, but the staff, if they're really loyal and only believe in the owner, they keep trying to squeeze everybody in to see them instead of saying, you know what, um, Dr. So-and-so trained the new associate who is a wonderful person and he trained her, hand-picked her and hand-trained her to do things exactly how he would do them and you should give her a shot. You are going yeah. to fall in love. No, and if I they said that, that and had that confidence, it will more quickly grow a practice by turning the patient, all the new ones over and any old ones that they can, uh, turn them over to the new person and, and back out that too far booked out thing happening. Yeah. 
Well, it's, it's a lot easier to sell something, if, if you will, if you believe in it. So to, right. to your point, if I believe and I, and I trust this new person and they have been onboarded properly and, and they are matching, you know, the, the systems and the culture of the organization, a lot easier to throw belief behind them, a lot easier to throw trust behind them. Absolutely. So we've covered uh, delegation, hiring, <laughs> being a good leader, some good uh, training methods uh, and stats and why you should keep those. I think we've covered a good bunch of helpful tools today. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think this is great. And you know, because of the times that we're in right now, I, I said back during the beginning of COVID that everybody was complaining. And I said, you've got the most precious thing that you're always begging for is time. So utilize this time, utilize this time to keep your team united, utilize this time to do all the things you say you didn't have, you know, numbers on the clock to do so that you can come back stronger and healthier when we get through this thing. And I, I, I wanna remind people to always have that mindset that this is just uh, a thing that we're gonna look back on and go remember when, and we've always gotta be looking forward. We can indulge in this whole thing, this pandemic that we're going through, and we can create a negative emotion around it, or we can say it's, it's happening, it's in real time, we need to push forward and look towards the future. And one day, like everything that ever goes wrong in the world, it's going to be something that's behind us. It's what we do now that's going to prove whether or not we're successful going forward. That is an awesome summation statement. I love it a lot because I have there the same, <laughs> I'm with you hundred percent on that. We've got to stay positive and go forward. Yeah. So, well, thank you, Mark, for your interview today. Um, I hope that lots of people watch it and learn and uh, contact you about what you guys do and contact us about what we do, like, like our video. So thank you so much for being my guest today and uh, take care and do well. Thank, thank you. And I appreciate you and have a wonderful holiday and Christmas season. Oh yeah, you too. <laughs> at <Thanks>. home. <laughs> Make <laughs> exactly. merry at home. <laughs> Absolutely. Cheers. Cheers, hon. Bye.